Welcome to the first ever episode of the Outpace Podcast. We're so excited to bring you uh, all of the content that we have for you. Uh, Tyler and I are super excited to get this started as customer experience is starting to take over the world. We are seeing customer experience teams expanding. We are seeing the ever-changing landscape of SaaS and different companies actually take uh, customer success, customer experience into their own hands. And so we're really excited to bring you our experience, walk you through some of the steps that we've taken to build build out education teams and build out customer service and success and support teams. And so we're just here to help. I think that the big thing is there's such a lack of just understanding in the customer experience community, a lack of resources, and we're here to bring you all of those. I think that uh, nobody has to do this alone, and a lot of us have. So uh, we're going to walk you through all of these things that uh, we have for you. And so we're excited to bring you a sub stack. We're going to have weekly publications just talking about some of the things that uh, we're focused on that week. We're going to bring you a weekly podcast. uh, And then also we have a LinkedIn group. So you can join our LinkedIn group. We'll have uh, things that we saw that week thrown in there. Tyler and I are going to be super active in that group, helping people if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, anything like that. So we're just really excited to start up uh, Outpace and uh, wherever it takes us, we're we're along for the ride here. So Tyler, uh, I would love to welcome you in and tell us a little bit about you and how you got started in customer experience. And uh, yeah, your your last couple of things that you've done inside of the CX world. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for the uh the intro to the show and I'm excited to to bring all this stuff to everybody. Uh so a little bit a little bit about myself, my experience. So um I would call myself a customer experience expert, although shockingly I have never actually sat on a customer experience team. Um my passions really lie in unlocking the true potential of modern education. And that includes anywhere, any industry from manufacturing to software, um, to sports. Uh, you might not think that, but just expanding the general customer experience through education. So I've spent a lot of years working with different CEOs, directors, really just helping them understand the importance of creating a strong, strong customer experience and, doing that through education. Um, my journey, my career journey began actually in construction management and in the construction industry. Um, there, I really learned the the value and the importance of that hands-on, on-the-job skill training. Uh, from there, I jumped into working with uh, SaaS companies. Uh, started in consulting, uh, helping them build training and education programs for their customers and their employees. And then eventually that led to me building a flight training platform with a partner of mine um, that ended up uh, getting squashed by Microsoft. Thank you, Microsoft. Um, and then just use that knowledge to to help companies uh, build their, their media catalog, their educational catalog, their content strategy and, and customer academies. So now I am a consultant and I work with mid- to large enterprise orgs and uh, just generally help love or love helping uh, companies build educational resources. An educated customer is a better customer, a better customer is better for business. So when it all comes down to revenue, what are you going to do? Create a better experience. Um, so love it. Excited. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is awesome. I think that uh, you and I, I mean, we geek out so much over the phone and we geek mm-hmm. out so much like over group chat. It's like, it's crazy the world that we kind of found ourselves in. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go next here. Just uh, my experience. I came from a call center. So I actually worked in a call center through college. Uh, it got me through college, got me to pay pay my college way. So I was in a uh, Citibank call center for, for two years. And then right after college, I started at the SaaS company where I had no idea what I what to expect. But what happened, I started with about four other billing specialists. We had about, you know, 20, 25,000 uh, reoccurring monthly uh, users on the SaaS platform. And lo and behold, you know, six years later, I'm here running a 150 person team uh, that has an education team, a support team, uh, a, a customer experience operations team. And so I think that those experiences have been insane, but really congruent with, you know, where we find ourselves, which is just that path is never linear. And so, you know, whether it's construction or doing flight simulation or being in a call center, uh, leading the CX industry is never a linear path. But uh, it's really cool because as we talk about customer experience, it feels so like it touches every piece of the business, right? Like I talk to marketing people every day. I talk to uh, the engineering team every day, the product team. Like I obviously talk to my own team. So it's crazy how much uh, interaction customer experience has and how important it's starting to become through businesses. And, you know, they're looking at us to actually improve bottom line, which usually they're looking at us to cut (laughs) budget to (laughs) then improve bottom line. So it's like this very opposite experience that, uh, you know, I, I much rather enjoy this than uh, the other conversation of trying to make budget cuts and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I love how random Tyler's experience is, like the <laughs> flight simulation, the construction, like it all culminates. And now, uh, you know, Tyler is definitely one of the thought leaders inside of the CX industry that, you know, it, we're going to lean on for, you know, a lot of this information. And Outpace, again, is really, really here to help. Like we're, we're uh, one of those podcasts and we're going to be one of those publications and consulting business that actually goes out and helps people uh, wherever they're at, whether you have, you're a solo entrepreneur or you have a, you know, thousand person business. I think that everybody can improve their customer experience one way or the other. So I think, I think that's the best part for me, especially on the consulting side in in this specific niche or industry is like, I'm a lifelong learner. The more, the more I learn, the less I know. And so every time I get to go work with a new organization and build some new tools for them or help them with strategy, everybody's learning. That's the best part about it. That's to me, it's like you, you touched on it. This touches the entire customer journey and at the core of it is education and support. And, um, that's just like a, a, an added bonus for me on the end that I get to work in this industry. I did have one question for you though. When you first started, when you went from the call center to SAS, uh, in your head, when you first started, what did you think CX was versus now what you think it is? If I'm being totally truthful, all I wanted to do was get off the phones. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all I want to do. Like, I just wanted yeah. to make sure that I never took another phone call. And when mm-hmm. they told me in my interview, hey, this is a chat support only position, I was like, sign me up. Like, where do I sign? <laughs> like, I don't, I'm, pretty, I'm like... A hundred percent sure I took a pay cut to take my yeah. job after college. Like I literally took a pay cut after a call center to not do Just get call center things. So, uh, you know, I quickly learned what customer experience meant. And, you know, for the current business that I, I work for, which is ClickFunnels, it's an easy business to be able to help people because every user is technically an entrepreneur, whereas like Citibank, 
every user is just a credit card holder or something like that, right? And so mm-hmm. it's easy to, you know, get lost in the customer experience or what the customer experience should be. So I think in my mind, you know, I didn't really, you know, I was a very blank slate. Like that's very rare. I think that everybody I started working with had some exposure to some customer experience. But I also think like looking back now, that probably was a benefit, honestly, of like being able to just kind of soak in whatever came mm-hmm. my way for customer experience and being able to be like, hey, they want this. Let's go do that. And uh, at the heart of it, I think that I learned very quickly that operations was going to take us really far. And so learning efficiencies, learning where the efficiency gaps was, like what sucks at my current job and like how can I help it in the future when I am leading this team or, um, you know, when I'm leading this department, like how do I help inside of these teams? Because I felt those same pain points. And yeah, yeah, that that was the one thing that I learned very quickly that impacted customer experience because uh, the faster that you learn what customer pain points are, most likely the agents have the same pain points. The agents don't mm-hmm. like, and team members don't like answering the same questions 50 times a day. So, I mean, if you're feeling that, then customers are feeling that and customers are feeling that, then your whole team's feeling it. So yeah. uh, that's probably the one takeaway is just, you know, being able to be a sponge in the moment, which you now it, it is definitely a, a, a added benefit because I know that there's people that are a little bit jaded in the customer experience industry of like, you know, they come in with all these thoughts and, you know, it ends yeah. up, they try to put, I see this a lot, not in just our business, but I see this a lot throughout the, you know, customer experience in, in just SaaS industry overall. Like they'll come from a different SaaS company and try to plug in all of the tools and resources they had. And like, they just yeah. don't fit. Like there's no one size fits all for this. And so there's multiple options. There's multiple resources. There's multiple platforms, support platforms or otherwise that is going to fit your business. And uh, I hate to tell people this, but it's just not like consulting businesses that move like one business to the next and just do the same thing. It's just impossible. You can't, you have to tailor it uniquely to that business. There's no cookie cutter. Everybody's customer is different in some way. There's no cookie cutter format. That was definitely a hard lesson for me to learn. I had this idea when when I first transitioned into software. I was like, oh, I'm bringing new ideas to to software. It's going to be great. And I've got this prepackaged thing that I can deliver. And then, of course, every company I worked with, like half of it, you know, failed in implementation because it wasn't fit for them. <laughs> like my first few consulting gigs, it was just like a huge pain in the ass because I was trying to fit what I made into that org instead of fitting to the actual organization. Yeah, totally. And, and I also like that needless to say, like there are pro, I think that the core processes and the foundations of those processes are still great, but I think that the pivot becomes when you actually look at a business and you go, oh, you know, these learners in this business are very visual. They're not technical writers or, you know, they don't learn in long form content. They may learn, you know, in short form videos. Like um, a good example of this is uh, of a unique business is literally what we're doing for ClickFunnels is because our classic customer, we have two platforms. One is a classic platform. One is a 2.0 platform our classic users literally learn differently than our 2.0 users is like much as you can't believe that. Like it literally is almost the same platform. There's a few features. There's some like awesome things we're doing, but our users on 2.0 are very like 
TikTok, I call them TikTok learners. Like they're three mm-hmm. minutes or less, like they want in yeah. and out. And our classic users are like, give me that 45 minute video. Like I need to be watching this. I, I call those videos like how to change your oil videos because like we yeah. all sat there with the YouTube video, like propped up on our car, right? For 45 minutes, just replaying the same thing. Uh, while now users and learners uh, are very, very quick. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you have to adapt to that. And that's just one example of changing, changing landscapes. Yeah, I, you bring up TikTok and that's the really that's been my focus over the last year, a year and a half or so is is modern social learning. Like what does social learning historically mean and how is it how has it changed now and it's really become this powerful machine for businesses since we've democratized learning with the internet. Now organizations are seeing gosh, this short form content, people are really attracted to it. It's where they go to find search results. They're going on TikTok and searching for really specific things they need to learn. Uh, how do we take advantage of that? So I'm excited to jump into that uh, in, in future episodes. Yeah, for sure. Like there are so many, uh, one of the reasons why we started this is because I feel like the content that we could probably uh, do this for the next 100 years and not cover all the pillars and all the yeah. basis that entrepreneurs and CX leaders need to cover. Um, but at least we I, I feel like if we can make a dent in some people's journey, learning some of these things, I think that that's overall success. So, uh, you know, I know that we're 15 minutes in here, but I did want to go down the rundown of what we're doing for uh, Outpace episodes. So really, we're going to go over the hottest topics of the week that impact customer experience. There's so many things that business leaders are doing out there that are impacting all of our lives, all of our jobs. Um, And so we want to talk about those things and uh, how we're, again, navigating some of those current topics. Uh, And then we'll have one uh, one topic a week that we're going over today. We're talking about C-suite and uh, how to align with C-suite. And then we'll do a segment or two each week. So uh, with that being said, we'll dive into the topics of the week here. So um, as you know, and everybody kind of feels this, Amazon, Goldman Sachs, and Salesforce, uh, they just released that they're going to remove about 20,000 people collectively uh, from their workforces. And we're not just talking, you know, white, uh, you know, entry level jobs. These are, you know, white collar jobs that are making 150, 200 grand a year um, mm-hmm. that are in that range that are engineers, developers. And so the, obviously the impact for CX is pretty high, but, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, uh, whether it's running a team or what your thoughts are on, you know, that as a leader or somebody who uh, potentially yeah. is facing some of these things. Yeah. So there's, there's kind of a few different viewpoints there. One is like a team leader right now is going to be a time of, of refocusing, use it as an opportunity to, if your team is thinned out, refocus, get a little more refined, get a little more tactical maybe consolidate some of your own tech stacks, some of your own resources. Um, It's going to have to be a a lean time. So get focused, get really focused on what has high, high impact and is efficient and focus on that. Um, From an employee standpoint, uh, I'll say this, if if you're somebody that is in, um, in a position, you've been laid off and you've got great expertise in your area, these are the times where these organizations will be looking externally to supplement the the losses that they've had on their teams for work. So you can still go out and find that contracting work. You can find that consulting work. 
Um, these are the times that kind of one of the lagging indicators is the, these companies start to um, hone in on using contractors a little more. And they'll begin slowly over the next two, three years, rebuilding those teams, hiring contractors here and there. So look for that. Um, and the other angle here is from kind of, kind of the higher level is like, where, where is this going organization wide and industry wide? Um, I I don't know. I think there's going to be a rapid shift in, in our industry. I'm not exactly sure where it's going. I think we're going to be more of a creator economy, more of a service industry. We've kind of been heading that way for a while. Um, and these, these large organizations are finding ways to take advantage of that and they're paying, they're going to be paying less. They're going to be using creators and influencers and, and partners to help do their jobs for them. So. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, just having with the layoffs comes opportunities. And I saw a hilarious TikTok that was like, Hey, if you're laying off people, you should probably take down the current jobs you have on (laughs) your job page. And so I like, just, you know, reading the Salesforce that were laying off, you know, I think that they said 12,000 people or, or something like that. Uh, I went to the Salesforce career page. They have 530 jobs open right now. They have <laughs> yeah. 530 current openings and they just laid off 12,000 people. You don't think that some of those people would have been good fits for, mm-hmm. you know, the current jobs. It's like, I, I feel like uh, th- this is where uh, leaders and businesses fail is like, when a department gets dissolved or when something goes away or something is not adding value to the business anymore. And that could change. Like a year ago, you could have been providing tremendous value, say uh, doing, you know, live training or, or something similar. And now we don't need that anymore. That's okay. But yeah. for businesses to give up on those team members that got to that, that portion of the business or were, you know, promoted to that and just giving up on them and then going out and saying, Hey, we need 10 new people for this. It's like, you can repurpose your own team, you know, yeah. even if you have people, to have people that hard familiar, you know, people yeah. familiar with your product, your service, your, your, your company. It's like, gosh, even yeah. if it comes with like a pay cut, it's like, people don't want to have those tough conversations of like, Hey, like this sucks. Obviously we're in a, you know, uh, a downward trajectory here that we're trending down, you know, whether your stock is low or something like that's happening. If you're a publicly traded company, you can repurpose people. And I want to encourage mm-hmm. like leaders and businesses to go out and like repurpose organizations, repurpose people, because there are people that have been with organizations for four or five, 10 years that are getting laid off for somebody who, for not even the, replacing their job, but something that's pretty close adjacently to their skill set. Uh, they're getting replaced by somebody out of college that may be cheaper. Uh, I challenge everybody to have those tough conversations. Like, yeah, it may suck. They may take a pay cut, but I guarantee they'd rather take a pay cut and kind of take it on the chin rather than be in the unemployment line, like cash in an unemployment check. Like I I just don't, I don't necessarily get that version of of layoffs for sure. But um, yeah, you brought up multiple good points there of, you know, there's definitely a perspective from the leader standpoint. And I kind of talked about what I think uh, people should be doing. Like if there uh, is no longer a need or the value isn't there for some individuals, I think that trying to repurpose as much as possible uh, without trying to hire or onboard new people, I think that that is something that should be super attractive to people. Um, On top of that, I think that for, for people who are laid off or really anybody looking for a job, I would not be discouraged looking for positions. Like I said, Salesforce is still hiring 530 people. There's still a ton of people hiring out there. The one thing I would say is just try to update your skill set. 
Like, mm-hmm. uh, Tyler, you and I talk about chat GBT all the time now. And that's something that I think is going to come more into focus as we get further along here in the next couple of years. But like being an expert at chat GBT or, um, my brother actually just started taking Google has its own coding language. Now, um, going out and getting a certificate for Google's new coding language. You don't think that those are going to be useful, uh, here yeah. in a couple of years. I think that you could, even if you have a current job, I think to prepare yourself for the worst and start preparing yourself for the new job market that we're seeing out there, I think that getting and acquiring these skills are going to be incredibly important, especially for the CX industry that is going to need uh, people with a ton of talent. I mean, I yeah. see people all you know, all day um, that are being kept because they have multiple skills. Like they're being kept uh, if they don't even have tenure over somebody else because you know they have some design skill and. And some customer experience skill. Oh, by the way, they can, you know, code a little bit, you know, they can do HTML or something like that. That person is going to be kept a hundred percent of the time over somebody who has been there longer, but only is been, you know, a manager or something like that. That doesn't have, you know, the multiple hats that they can wear throughout a business. So, um, I think that, so that that's really important to talk about. If I'm say, I'm uh, just a team member, like a contributor on the CX team, or an education team. Um, and I'm afraid I'm going to be laid off or I'm afraid there's going to be cuts to my organization. What are some of the things I can, I can work on now or maybe like communicate a little better to leadership of like, Hey, this is really important work we're doing. Uh, not only should we still continue in, to invest in it, but like, please don't touch our team. Please don't lay us off because <laughs> X, Y, and Z. Like, what are those, what are those things that can be communicated? Do you think? Yeah, I think uh, this is one of my favorite topics because this ties into reporting and we can talk about Mm -hmm. reporting all day long. It probably will be a whole episode, but, um, you know, and this actually goes into aligning with C-suite too. So understanding what people want to see and being able to carry out some of those marching orders, um, not only operationally, but you're actually reporting uh, the results that you're seeing throughout. So, you know, if you're an education team member that's doing videos um, and you guys have a video library of education content, uh, if you're doing, you know, technical writing on a help center or something like that, I encourage you guys to speak to a manager or do it yourself where you're finding a BI person or you're getting friendly with uh, the BI team where you're, be- you're able to pull reporting where, hey, you know, these users we see are touching our platform. For every user that's touching our platform, for example, you know, their activation rate or their churn rate is, you know, X percentage lower. And then what you can do is you can actually say, you know, use that lifetime value or use that difference in uh, churn. And you can actually put a dollar amount to it. So as people are looking for layoffs or cuts or something like that, you can say, hey, you can cut me and, lo- you know, say, save or you can keep me because guess what? Like every single week we are going out and saving you guys $40,000 a week because our turn rate when people touch what we deal with on a daily basis uh, is that much lower. And so Mm reporting is a big one. I think that a lot of times uh, managers just don't have the time or have the visibility uh, to be able to see some of the value that people are bringing naturally. You know, you get into 400, 700, 1200 person businesses and COOs and, and director of uh, operations. They just don't have simply don't have time 
to evaluate yeah. you. So you have to give them reporting um, at a glance and they should it be able be to as, read that report in two minutes or less. Yeah, it, it can le- legitimately be as simple as a Slack update every now and then. I, I've got a friend that runs a, a community of software company and she was telling me she's like, she's been petrified of being laid off for a year. And she's like, all I do is every day I go get the the coolest customer feedback I can find. And I just put them in a couple Slack messages to, to a few of our directors. And she's like, so far I haven't been laid off. She's like, but literally just <laughs> communicating with the people that care about the stuff you're saying. I mean, everybody, everybody in your C-suite will generally care about a few things, obviously revenue, yep. Um, but the, it's, it's the little things like the, the little wins, sharing your net promoter score, sharing your customer feedback, sharing, uh, cases in which maybe you, uh, eliminated some of the, the lift on your uh, support team. It's like, Hey, we, we made this one video and now we have 40 less calls this week on that or this month on that topic. Those little things should be shared. Don't wait for like a monthly meeting. Don't wait for a quarterly review. Literally share those things on a daily basis and you will be looked at as like a freaking champion for your organization. I also have a a pro tip for all those SaaS like education managers is I always track for them um, because I know it's going to matter for our C-suite and and we'll get more into the C-suite here in a minute, but track conversion through links on whatever you own. So whether that's a YouTube video that you guys are submitting um, or again, a help center or a article or a blog post, make sure that you have unique links, whether it's UTM parameters or an actual affiliate link that they're going through. I look at that stuff all the time. And again, I report on it weekly and you'll be shocked at how many people either sign up for your service or um, you'll, you can look at historical LTV if they sign up through uh, your YouTube video mm-hmm. or one of the blog posts and you'll be able to proof out like, hey, guess what? I created a piece of content that activated at a 40% rate, 20% higher than our normal. And also the yeah. LTV is a hundred percent higher than, than what you guys are doing. So that starts really clicking in C-suite's heads uh, when looking at, at revenue and what actually matters. Because again, I think it's mainly just the lack of visibility. Like it, it's yeah. not, it's not that they hate you. Like it's nothing personal. <laughs> they just literally don't see what's going on. Like it's, I saw and, a, and uh, they're worried about other things. Yeah. I saw a really wild set of surveys. I, I think they were both on HubSpot, but one of them was educational content, regardless of the platform. It was just kind of like across the board converted at between like 40 to 60% higher rate Woo. generally just as conversion content. So imagine putting it on Instagram or wherever it exists, educational content converted at that much higher rate. Then you add on top of that, that an educated customer is more satisfied. They have higher lifetime value. I've seen like, I mean, those studies are insane. I, we ran a study last year um, with the IDC. Um, it was the customer education yearly report. There was a couple companies that saw like a 600% increase in like in retention. <laughs> just That's in wild. their educated customers. So it's like, why wouldn't yeah. you 
be supporting them? Why wouldn't you be supporting that team? And so things like that, go out and find those studies, go out and find information like that. And we'll, we'll help you. We'll provide some of that on, on the show. Yeah. We'll put it, we'll put it in our articles and our Substack. but yeah, really wild. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Cause you don't even have to use, um, I, I think the, that speaks to not having to use your own, reporting sometimes sometimes Mm -hmm. like i've done this before where i go out and you know i literally search on google you know sla for support uh, about this very niche like sla that we're looking for and i go and see an industry standard or you know what that's supposed to be and you know there's some you know hard conversations that i've had where it's like hey our why isn't our you know uh median response time this and i go out and i say well why would it be this because we're beating it by 400% already, um, mm-hmm. unless you want to spend more money on this. And uh, usually those conversations happen in your favor because you're able to back it up with reporting um, and those tools. I think uh, one of the cooler stories I have f- about education, and it, it really speaks to you know wh- how important education is in a CX platform or really any business. Um, our, our education team at ClickFunnels uh, the articles and the YouTube videos and uh, across all content. At one point, we were 15% of the total traffic of the business. <laughs> so That's people were literally insane. searching click click funnels on Google, click funnels wherever, and they were just stumbling upon a help article. And they're ranking so well. And we had thousands of articles and they're all ranking so well that it literally was 15% of all internet traffic going to these, which you can imagine we had, you know, anywhere from five to 7% of the time of all trials that were part of the business, like came off of that education. Yeah. yeah, The education team was literally a five to 7% use case of traffic towards the business, which again, freaking mind blowing, right? Like if you can go up to your boss and say, Hey, guess where 5% of all of our traffic is coming from my team and guess how much you pay for it? $0 for ad spend on Google or anything like that. Like that's, that becomes pretty attractive. Yeah. Also that kind of speaks to the importance of having external education that's ungated for people um, as an attraction piece. I mean, if, imagine if ClickFunnels didn't have that public facing content, educational content, that person is going elsewhere to find the answer to what they're, they're looking for, right? They're going to go to Google. They're, they're going to click on a different website. They're going to find somewhere else for that information. Well, you just double down. You, it exists. It's free for anybody. And now you're converting people off of it. Yeah, I feel like I I have like a thousand pro tips in my mind, but one of the other things that we did on on top of this talk about free traffic is we actually looked up like ClickFunnels on YouTube and we saw the top 10 search results and like seven of them were not owned by ClickFunnels. Uh, they were like how to use ClickFunnels or how to do this or how to do that. And we went and literally almost emulated those videos, shot them better, did better production, literally taught it better. Um, and our videos now, if you go uh, to ClickFunnels on YouTube, you'll see where we like own our own uh, IP and domains and things like that, which uh, is is 
honestly very rare uh, across the board. If you guys go look up, you know, uh, big brands uh, on Google, you'll find that half of them are like affiliate links or half mm-hmm. of them are um, just random. Or it, some of them are competitors. Like you look up Amazon yeah. and there are some other like e-commerce platforms that just pop up, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, I think that that's important too. I, a, a pro tip that, that you guys can do is look up your company. Look up your company on Google yep. or YouTube and see what's ranking the highest. And your education team could literally create that content uh, in order to be on that top. So that's, uh, that's my favorite yeah. thing in the world: looking up how-to guides for for a specific piece of software <laughs> and seeing seeing who ranks. And it always pisses me off when it's not the actual company that ranks. <laughs> yes. I'm just like, God, yes. Yeah. drives me crazy. But it's smart for, this is why we're getting into the creator world is because they yeah. are starting to own and creators are starting to own, um, you know, uh, what we call like internet real estate. And so yep. that real estate is starting to be owned by creators and not big corporations. And ultimately I think that that's a good thing for just there's the a, world, but there's a really good example of this in, in, in Adobe, um, the Adobe official, I think it's the Adobe Photoshop official Instagram and uh, TikTok, all that has tons and tons of followers, but they don't get a ton of engagement. Their stuff isn't that educational. It's not that great. There is a single user, a guy that's got like 4,000 followers and he gets like 10 times the engagement on his post because he's just teaching people really cool shit. And, uh, it like for me, if I'm Adobe, that's great. Thank you for that guy to that guy for creating that. But I want to go capture that influence in that audience. And I want that stuff to be owned by me. So either I'm going to work with that person as a partner, I'm going to get that person to have conversion links to, to our software, or we're going to be creating the exact same stuff because it's working. Go out and find that influence and capture it. One of the the funniest things that I've ever seen is looking up certain brands. And yes, that's awesome that, you know, the person for Adobe is basically repping Adobe. You see it all the time for um, brand reviews for like Apple products Mm -hmm. and things like that. One of the funniest things that I see, though, is when people rep brands or people are doing a product review and like they're using it wrong. And so yeah, the com- yeah. the company doesn't own the actual like yeah. real estate for it. And they're literally like teaching it wrong. And it's like, yeah. Oh no. Like, yep. <laughs> so you want, so that's, many times. that's where I go with like, if they have a ton of influence, you better form a partnership with those types of people and you better do it soon because they're going to all of a sudden have so much more influence than you have. And if somebody's yeah. being led to that answer and it's wrong or that way of doing things and it's wrong, that's going to cause problems for you. That is going yeah. to cause support tickets to happen. That is going to cause people to get <laughs> pissed off at your software because it doesn't work like it, they said it was. So you want to control the narrative and you want to make sure it's right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, funny. It, it's funny how that, it funny how, it's funny how that works. Just overall, just if you don't own that, you know, virtual real estate, somebody else will. So, you know, your education team might be the one that should, you know, your education team should be the one that uses it or uh, your CX team should as well. Mm So uh, moving on from uh, the layoffs, and I think that we had a great conversation just about, you know, some of the pro tips for whether you're being laid off or you're a job seeker or you're a leader in a business uh, regarding the layoffs. And I'm guessing this is not the last I will talk about layoffs. I think that it's going to be, unfortunately, a part of 2023 and 
potentially mm-hmm. 2024 as well as we start navigating the waters. But uh, one of the cool things I think that I would love to do inside of our LinkedIn group is actually help people find CX jobs. And I think that it's going to be a place where um, not only leaders are in our LinkedIn group, but you'll see a lot of CX individuals that can provide a ton of value towards different businesses. So I would love uh, our Outpace platform to become really the center epicenter of uh, the CX space where you're finding those positions that um, you've aspired to have. And so, you know, don't be afraid to throw a job posting inside of our Outpace LinkedIn group. Or if you're seeking a job, you know, we'd love to help inside of the CX space because, uh, like I said, nobody should go go it alone. So uh, going on to our next topic, uh, Bob Iger, who, you know, love him or hate him. He's one of the most successful CEOs here in the past 20 years. And uh, lately, he's been not not super likable, I would say, uh, <laughs> just because of the, the, the uh, changes he's making to Disney after being on a two-year hiatus. Um, but, you know, credit where credit is due. Bob, Bob Iger took Disney into the dig- digital age. He's the one that um, bought 21st Century Fox and, and things like that to be able to, in, you know, uh, Marvel those movies and uh, the MCU, that's all uh, Bob Iger's acquisitions. But um, lately, he's been telling Disney employees that in this is the remote versus in-person work uh, debate, but he's telling Disney employees that they should be spending four days at least in the office. And so he's mandating that as of February 1st. So Tyler, give me your thoughts on remote work, the uh, CEOs demanding that employees come in uh, and your thoughts on that. Okay, A, I think uh, right now these CEOs and, and C-suite folks find themselves in, in a real position of power, being not a little more than they already have, just in that there are tons of layoffs and the market's so volatile that I think if you tell people you should come into the office, the majority of them are going to come in the office because they don't want to get laid off. They don't want to lose their job. Uh, B, I'm interested to see what the reaction is when people do go back to the office, because for myself, I've loved working virtually, but I'll tell you what, I miss the socialization uh, at work. Hundred percent. I work so much better when I am right in front of somebody or right next to somebody and collaborating and, and working on a project side by side than I do over email or, uh, you know, over a video. So I'm interested to see if there's any backlash or anything like that. Um, for me personally, I, I think it's it's fine either way. I don't know what the business impacts are. I, I'm sure there's going to be some studies over the next couple of years that show the impacts of what's happened um, since we all went to virtual. But my my concern is that I've seen this general degradation of experiences across the board with companies over the last two years. And I feel like some of that has to do with, I think people are just kind of chilling at home. Sometimes I think, I think when they (laughs) answer that support call, you can tell there, you got their kid yelling Mm. in the background, the TV's on. And it's like, there's a little bit of a degradation in customer experience since everybody went to virtual work. And I'm, I'm interested to see if that's why they're asking people to come back in, but yeah, and it's hard to uh it's hard to argue for Disney who is 
literally one of the, if not the like perennial user customer experience brands mm. in all of, you know, the world, really. I mean, whether it's their Disney parks or, you know, the movies they make or, you know, any one of their platforms, now Disney Plus, uh, they focus so much on uh, their user experience. And so uh, I, I think that this is really, I think Bob Iger is doing something really bold. I think that he's finding himself, like you said, in a position of power as many CEOs are right now uh, with the downturn in the markets and feeling like he can get who he wants, uh, you know, at the price he wants them. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm torn because obviously I've been, I've been remote for a couple of years now. Um, I think that, you know, for myself, uh, I think that there's, there's definitely diminishing returns at some point where, you know, it feels like I'm, I am like uh, for a hybrid model. I think, I think hybrid models are the the perfect models. I think being in the office a couple of days of the week, uh, making sure that you're meeting with the people you need to meet with, making sure that you have the point of contacts that you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, spending those like project days at home. I think that those, that's probably, you know, my perfect model, you know, <laughs> I'm probably calling myself out because I'm a hundred percent remote, but um, <laughs> I travel, I also travel a lot. So, you know, I yeah. go, you know, whether it's, uh, it, to headquarter one or two, you know, I'm in the office quite a bit, um, you know, every other month at least. And so, yeah, I think we'll, we'll start seeing this hybrid model more favorably. Um, I don't know. The- I don't know for little, I, I worry about little companies like Disney, Microsoft, Apple, yeah. of course they have the power, right? Like they can hire anybody they want, but like, I worry for the little guys, like, you know, yeah. these little SaaS companies that are like, Oh, you gotta be in the office and people to like bounce out. You know, I'm thinking of like mobile Alabama where, you know, engineers aren't like easy to come by. (laughs) So it's like, if you're saying, Hey, Mobile, Alabama is the place you have to be. It's going to be a tougher job market to find, find what you need. So I think that, you know, I'm torn a a little bit. I'd be really interested to, to figure out, I'm sure there's also some research and some studies out there, but what percentage of the market went to full or full virtual. And then now what percentage of the market is like companies that started during the pandemic that are fully virtual. They just started virtual. Um, That'd be really interesting to me. I, I did have another use or another case that the energy company I was working for, um, they too, I guess almost two years ago now is right after the vaccine came out, they went to hybrid almost immediately and people were coming in two days a week. Well, it didn't take very long until, all of a sudden now people are coming in three days a week by their mm-hmm. own choice. And then all of a sudden now everybody's coming back four days a week. People just <laughs> yeah, started sure. gravitating. They enjoyed it. It was their time. It's funny. Like w- back when COVID first, it was like, Oh yeah, I can get time away from work and spend more time mm-hmm. at home. And now people are like, Oh God, I might need some time away from home. <laughs> so I, I kind of want to go back to the office a little 100%. bit. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that definitely yeah. is not uh not loss of me at all. Like I think that there are yeah. definitely some people that are like, I've been home for a couple of years now. Like I may need like out of this thing. So yeah, uh, I, I totally get that. I again I, I'm a little torn. I, I would like to see the chart that I would like to see is um companies by employee number 
um, which probably coincides with revenue, company by employee number, percentage of virtual employees. Like that's what I would yeah. want to see because is is it just the smaller companies that are remote and the bigger companies are saying, hey, we can force people's hands? Is it the bigger companies? Because I know even, uh, even last year, the year before, I know that the banking industry kind of went through this already where they were basically saying, hey, if you're in New York and uh, we you know, hired you in New York and you moved recently and you're getting these like insane splits because, um, you know, that's the cost of living in New York. And now you live in Kansas. You know, we're basically going to reduce your pay because the cost of living difference is is so much different in Kansas than it is in New York. So I'm curious to I'm curious to see that kind of thing um, as we as we move forward. All right. So changing gears just a little bit, uh, we are going to our main topic, which we set out to talk about aligning with C-suite and what that means to us. And uh, really, you know, it's one of the main challenges that people have as they're starting a customer experience team or being on a customer experience team is not only showing value, but just aligning. Like, how can we uh, you know, get to the goals that we need to get to, uh, to align with C-suite. And so, you know, we're going to talk about some of the pro tips and, uh, some of the things that we have for you today. Um, Tyler, you want to kick us off with some of your, uh, best practices to align with C-suite? Yeah. You know, we touched on a little bit of it earlier. Part of that was just the communication and continuous, uh, continually putting yourself in front of leaders and, and communicating any, positive change, or if there's something negative happening, communicating the plan to fix it. Communication is key all the way down to individual contributors. Never feel like you can't reach out to leadership and talk about good things that your team is doing. They love it. As a leader, I love that stuff. Um, Also, go out. You talked about finding a, a, a business intelligence person, find a BI team, friend, Anybody in your org that uh, fancies data and uh, analytics, go find those people. Um, Leaders love data. They love analytics and they love uh, how being able to analyze how your team contributes to bottom line. Um, And then another thing is it's hard being an individual contributor on a team. And it's sometimes even hard for managers and directors to have direct line of sight on uh, company goals. I know like yearly most and quarterly, most companies have goals, but that changes priorities change over the, the, the span of a week, let alone a quarter. So um, just putting yourself in a position where you're seeking that information. So whether it's uh, finding somebody that works directly with your C-suite or just reaching out to them individually and saying, Hey, I'm working on some really important projects I want to make sure they are aligned with company goals and that they're affecting those company goals. That's huge. Um, and then the other thing is is just being um, vigilant in uh, really, I guess, monitoring and improving what you're doing. Um, one of the big things I found in this industry is people just kind of set it and forget it. They're like, we created it. It's good. It's done. That's not how it works. <laughs> there is a continuous... Uh, monitor and improvement. And when you, when your C-suite sees that and they see that improvements are happening, they're going to latch onto that and they're going to latch onto it because ultimately your team is, has a positive effect and they want to see that you're improving it and iterating and, and growing and scaling. So that's just my two cents. 
Yeah, no, I I think that those are incredible. Those are probably uh, the biggest three there. I think the ones that I'll add is uh, just basically piggybacking on the communication, just making sure that you have a regular cadence where you are either presenting reports or you are presenting what you guys are doing to get things across the finish line. I think uh, one of the more frustrating things for any leader is to have somebody just go dark on them. You know, you assume that they're doing a good job. You assume that, you know, they're doing productive work, but you just don't have anything to show for it. And so um, Mm -hmm. as a leader, one of the best things to have is not to ask for reports to be created and having those reports being created on a regular basis where, you know, I can bring those to other people. And, you know, I do that for the C-suite as well, because I know that they're presenting it in founder meetings or, you know, uh, shareholder meetings or whatever it may be. And so, communication is like one of the biggest things. Um, My other thing is just making sure that you're staying inside of scope. I think scope creep is a big thing. I think everybody, uh, you know, is incredibly valuable where they're at. Uh, But a lot of times we have a tendency to say, hey, look at how cool this would be. Look how cool this would be. Look how cool this would be. And it's like shiny object syndrome where uh, we just jump to the next thing rather than uh, focusing and doing what Tyler is saying of iterating on what you've already created. I think that, you know, oftentimes we just, again, jump to the next shiny toy. And so, mm-hmm. um, not doing that and making sure that you are just staying within your lane. Um, and it's not a bad thing. I, I think that people always think that, uh, like, Oh, uh, you, you only do support or you only do education. It's like, no, I do education, uh, and I do it really well. And there's some really incredible people, um, in our space and actually just worldwide that are, uh, you know, working on customer experience items, whatever pillar they may be. And so again, stay within, you know, that the confines of your potential pillar and go out and crush that thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, those are my big two. And, you know, you'll always be aligned with C-suite if you're staying within, you know, those parameters. Yeah. The other, the other thing I was going to say is, um, you know, just, it's really simple to say things like, uh, you know, Hey, show how your team aligns or, you know, improves business outcomes. It's really easy to say that one thing I've, I always struggled with back in the day was I didn't have anywhere to start when, when somebody said something like that to me, I was, I had nowhere to start. I had, I had an idea of what they were saying, but it's like, okay, well, what business outcomes, how do I find that information? Um, how am I actually going to create a project that aligns with you know, that improves the business outcomes. Um, all that to say, we, we are going to be creating some of these resources. So one of the first ones, uh, if it's not created already is, is a guide on this aligning with C-suite. Um, some of the metrics that are important to them, some of the things that you can go out and, and, uh, measure right now and report back. Um, and some of those communication styles, um, and promotion styles within your company. So look for those, look for those resources as well. Yeah, those resources are going to be awesome. And I wish I had them when I started because yeah. it takes you a long time to understand uh, what, you know, people actually care about and what they don't. Because, you know, we've learned some hard lessons on creating something we thought was really awesome and people going like, why the hell did you even spend time on that? Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I think that too, like the, one of the the sheets that we'll create in the guide, uh, it's not about the number like, hey, I you, you need to be at 5% here, 4% here. It's more of the metric that you're looking for. Hey, yep. go ask your go ask your manager to fill in these four spots for you. Um, you know, cost of your your department 
department per revenue, uh, cost per ticket? Like, where do you want those things to land? Um, and how can I do that for you? And so those are going to be the questions that you ask C-suite and nail them down on a, a particular item so you can hit those uh, key key performance indicators for yourself and your team. Um, and then as we talk about layoffs, I think that that's going to be one of the more important things uh, that we work on throughout uh, the rest of this year. So, all right. Uh, again, switching gears to our, our segment time, we have a uh, pro tip of the week. My pro tip of the week is going to be one that is very important for you to learn as uh, you're in customer experience and potentially a leader in the space is getting friends with inside of the finance or accounting team. Um, this team is going to be a saving grace for you as you progress throughout your career, because uh, they're going to tell you uh, what your costs are, what your budget is, what um, certain metrics that you need to care about, uh, they're going to be the ones that you go to and they can give you information more readily available. Um, one of the things that's really saved you know, me here in the past you know, two, three years is uh, you'll be shocked at how bad leaders are at communicating with their accounting and finance teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the end of the year, guess guess what? They're the ones that are under, uh, you know, fire for not being under budget or having an organized budget or having people all over the place or teams that have been created without approval. Um, and whereas I have a weekly conversation with our accounting team and talking through, Hey, this person left for this team, this person uh, resigned here. And that allows us to have more flexibility within our budget. And I don't think a lot of people do that. And so my Mm -hmm. pro tip of the week is find a friend inside of the accounting team, because you will be thankful forever uh, at the end of the year when you're doing budget reports and uh, you're sending it (laughs) to your boss or to the C-suite is being able to give you guys reports. I promise you'll, uh, you'll not cringe and you'll know exactly what's coming down the pipeline. So that's my pro tip of the week. I love it. Uh, Mine is a little bit out of left field, but it's highly relevant right now. It is using chat GPT for a CX team, a leader or individual contributor. One of the coolest things I've seen is, okay, so I'll give you an example, go into chat GPT and type in what are all the important metrics and KPIs for a CX team? It'll spit out five or six, maybe 10, ask it, I want five more, ask it, I want five more and just keep doing that. And, and you'll get a list, a giant list of KPIs and metrics that are important to your team. What it's going to do is you're going to recognize a lot of them, but what it's going to do is it's going to put some in there that'll kind of spark some ideas in your brain of, I wonder why that would be important to CX. I wonder who even tracks that. Well, that's where the really cool part comes in. Now you can ask chat GPT. TP, uh, GPT, how do I measure those out of these five KPIs? How do I actually measure those things? And it will tell you. And then the coolest part about it all is you can tell it what systems and tech stack you have and say, here's my tech stack. Here's how I measure. Here's how I report. Now, how do I do it? How do I measure those? And in some instances, you can dive even deeper and get step-by-step guides of how to actually create a report. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of ChatGPT. Uh, there's a ton of other chatbots out there um, that mostly run off of GPT-3, um, but uh, there are some new ones that are running, I believe, off of the same library as ChatGPT. But either way, 
it's a really handy, useful tool to give you new ideas and uh, you can really build off of it. So go out there, have some fun, try it out, but use that prompt. What are these, what are the most important KPIs and metrics for a CX team? And then just keep asking it to give you more and more and more and see what comes up. Maybe, maybe if anybody out there uh, finds that useful, tell us what you come up with, show us what you come up with, send us a message, uh, show us the responses that you get and what you did with it. Yeah, I would love to see those inside of the LinkedIn group. Just give us a prompt and uh, we'll we'll look that up. But ChatGPT is going to become, um, I, I think, one of the bigger players in the bot market. And honestly, I can't wait for an episode that we have just just automating your CX because yeah. I think automation is a, such a huge player uh, as you start scaling your CX teams. And ChatGPT is just another one of those tools that we'll be able mm-hmm. to use. Uh, I heard uh, a Birdie say that Microsoft might be spending $10 billion in that space uh, come 2023, which is absolutely yeah. insane. So if Microsoft is doing it, it's definitely something that you want your teams uh, working on as well. So uh, yeah. that's going to be all for us uh, today for Outpace. Thank you for listening to the very first episode of Outpace. We're very happy to have you. Uh, please make sure to go in the show notes and look at our Substack. It is outpace.substack.com. Uh, we'll be on LinkedIn as well. You can find the Outpace group. Uh, both Tyler and I are very active inside of our LinkedIn group as well. So we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us.